Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Cannizzaro and Aaron Smith as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Bold TV for this week's episode of Inside the OC, the podcast dedicated entirely, almost entirely, to the USBC Open Championships. My name is Matt Canazaro. Let's bring in my guest, my host, my pal, my co-worker, Aaron Smith. Hello, wow. sir. That's yeah, quite, that's quite the introduction. I didn't realize I, I had so many responsibilities and all this. So it's a it's a growing list. As I get older, I, I need more from you. So uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate all of that uh, and more. And uh, episode thirty eight of Inside the OC, we are moving along. How about that? Pretty crazy, yeah. Definitely excited for uh, today's guest, Tom Hess, a uh, guy we've gotten to know pretty well over the past few years, and uh, someone who I got to see a lot of. At, at the bowling center, but not on the lanes this past year. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about that. His uh, his journey into college bowling with his daughter, Megan, uh, pretty fun. And of course, uh, a great history at the Open Championships. Uh, as we mentioned, a Masters champion. Doesn't get much cooler than that. I was I was looking back at who he beat to just make the show. Like, that was crazy. So I'm pretty excited to, uh, to talk to him a little bit about that. So I'm sure uh, you got some great questions lined up for the Open Championship side of it as well. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great to catch up with Tom and do our thing. Yeah. We're definitely looking forward to it. Some great stories. Uh, he can bring the energy. And uh, we've been lucky over the last few weeks. Uh, tons of energy. Sean Lee, Brent Bowers, just excitement, passion for the sport. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, the whole family connection uh, for Mr. Hess as well. So, uh, looking forward to hearing about some of your uh, your stories from the row there and the collegiate events uh, and going back to last year's Team USA trials as well. Tom now 50 years old, uh, so a whole new door has opened for him in his bowling career as well. But uh, let's not hear about it from us. Let's bring him in. Tom Hess, 2011 USBC Masters Champ. Welcome to Inside the OC. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we appreciate uh, giving us part of your, your work day. And uh, we promise we'll keep it short uh, to an hour or two or three, uh, depending on how good your stories are. Um, but as we do traditionally when we kick off the show, especially here in 2020, uh, let's catch up. Let's hear what things are like for you. Uh, you're in Iowa. Granger, I believe, is now uh, the, the listed hometown. Uh, but uh, I think the last Iowa person we talked to perhaps was A.J. Chapman earlier in this whole entire process. Uh, we know things are changing uh, across the country, some states opening up a little bit more, some tightening the restrictions. Uh, but tell us what life is like for you and has been for you uh, and the family there in Iowa. Um, life, you know, other than the, the pandemic really hasn't changed, you know, a whole lot. Um, I kept my nine to five job uh, through the whole pandemic. Um, I'm outside sales for a company called uh, Accurate Hydraulics. So it did change a little bit as far as not being able to just go out and see people and knock on doors. You know, of course, every company had uh, different views of how they wanted to handle it. Some people still wanted me to come. Some people didn't want any visitors at all. So, you know, we stayed busy, a little bit busy that way. Um, it's been different for my wife. She's working from home. 
Um, she's been with Wells Fargo for oh, 30 plus years and she's uh, since the pandemic has been working at home. Um, you know, my, my son is a, works at a daycare, so nothing really changed for him. They've, they've still got to be open. And uh, it was a little bit different for Megan. Um, we were on our way actually after the World Series last year. I had flown home and we were actually driving to Smyrna when all this stuff really started. And uh, thankfully, we weren't too far down the road before Megan told us that they, they'd canceled the ISCs and the ITCs. And uh, she came home from school. But uh, so she was home early. And now, um, thank goodness that uh, St. Ambrose is back in school. So Life around Iowa is getting pretty much back to normal. Um, bowling centers here in Iowa are all open. Um, been having quite a few tournaments. Been bowling a lot. So happy to be back on the land. Now, Tom, you're uh, you're one of the, the gentlemen uh, who, uh, again, a full-timer on the PBA Tour, chasing the dream. Uh, you know, the weekend warrior, just doing, doing all that you can on the lanes as often as you can. But also, uh, you were able, through all of your career, to, to maintain – uh, for the most part, regular employment, a, a nine to five, as you said, uh, doing different things to even uh, slinging sod at one point. Right. And uh, just t tell us a little bit about that and kind of where that fits into the whole career. And uh, maybe that takes some of the pressure off when it's time to hit the lanes on the weekend or at night. Um, you know, I just let you go out there and, and bowl for the enjoyment of it. Not so much uh, to pay the mortgage like uh, some guys might have experienced. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the sport can have the great, the highs and the lows, you know. Um, I had, I was going to have my opportunity right at the end of the exempt tour. Um, I had, in December of 2010, I had earned my exemption onto the PBA tour um, through the RPI. And, and so that's when I decided there was six events left in the 2010-11 season. I was going to bowl them all. Lo and behold, I go and win the Masters you know, two months after earning my exemption. So I'm thinking I'm going to get two years um, exempt and then the exempt tour goes away that year. So at that point, I was actually looking at finally being able to have bowling be my only source of income and was looking so, uh, so excited, you know, and ready, ready to do that. But, you know, as far as what it's been like my whole life, um, I've been fortunate enough to, um, have jobs that uh, allow me, you know, as much as I can, um, you know, so this, this new job that I took almost five years ago, um, being an outside salesman has allowed me to pretty much bowl whenever I want to bowl. So it, it's been a blessing and a curse. You know what I mean? There's been times when I'm, when I'm out on the road, I'm still working, you know, I've get phone calls and stuff and, you know, with most tournaments, we can still have our technology by our side. So there's been some squads when I've gotten phone calls from uh, big customers that I went ahead and answered it right while I was bowling and tried to do the best I can to take care of the, the customers as well as um, make a little money bowling. All right. Now, looking at uh, the personal front a little bit more again, 2020, a little wacky, some, some unexpected time uh, with your daughter home from college. Uh, due to everything, but uh, you mentioned your wife, Sue, and, and her long career with Wells Fargo. Uh, she also uh, has a long career with, with you, and you guys had a special milestone this week, which is pretty awesome. Uh, tell us about that and uh, and what you did to celebrate, and uh, you know, kudos to her for uh, for putting up with you all this time as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as I was reading through the post, everybody thinks she's quite the angel for, uh, for putting up with me for <laughs> 
well, we've been together for almost 31 years, um, 20 of those married. Um, yesterday was our was our 20th wedding anniversary. And uh, we celebrated by going to the gym and working out and then coming home and watching baseball. All right, well, speaking uh, of which, uh, and uh, uh, kind of... Uh, <laughs> I, that's very. It's a very romantic anniversary, and after all these years, uh, certainly, uh, I'm sure well well earned relaxation as well. But uh, speaking of baseball, again, uh, I will point out that uh, I think I might know four or five Chicago Cubs fans in my my entire world, uh, and two of them happen to be on this podcast right now. Uh, ironically, neither of you actually from Chicago or Illinois. Uh, but uh, but talk about that and, uh, and and the passion that you have for 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 that team and uh, potentially uh, others in the neighborhood as well. Something for you guys to talk about here uh, for a minute. Well, um, my my love for you know I'm a little bit older than you guys. I don't know if you guys remember when there was only four divisions in baseball, um, and mm-hmm. I was a big you know being in Iowa. Um, I had basically four favorite baseball teams. I, I like the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago Cubs, um, each for being close, one American League, one National League. And then my dad was a huge um, Dodgers fan growing up. Um, so basically my two National League teams were the, the Cubs and the Dodgers and the Red Sox and uh, the Royals were my American League teams. Um, just kind of happened. Now, now that uh, my son, my son's a huge baseball fan, um, been lucky enough to go through all those struggling years of watching the Cubs be the lovable losers. Uh, I've been able to do some, some pretty cool things with the Cubs. Um, my wife and I were at the first uh, game of the 2016 um, wildcard weekend when Javi hit the home run and hopped out of the box like he'd hit it out of the stadium and it landed in the basket. <laughs> so, um, you know, I've been to several, we, uh, I, we didn't buy season tickets last year, but last year we decided um, we like to go enough. Um, I bought one of their little eight game packs that they have. And for the first time we were able to go as a family, uh, we went three or four times as a family, all four of us to, to the game. So that, that's been pretty cool. Um, you know, a guy that, that both of you guys probably know, I'm pretty good friends with Sean Rash. Um, mm-hmm. Sean, the, probably the coolest moment that I've ever had at Wrigley um, was because of Sean. Um, Sean, as you guys probably know, works harder than, than almost anybody. You know, him and Belmo are one and one A promoting this sport and working hard and trying to get guys other opportunities. But Sean was trying to get something set up with uh, – Tom Ricketts to do a, a an event at Wrigley similar to what they had done, you know, with the Masters up in uh, Milwaukee. And so that day, Sean said, "Hey, let's go to the game." Sean had a friend that worked there, got us some tickets. Uh, we have pretty good tickets. We're sitting, you know, row twenty-two, right behind home plate. You know, in between the first and second inning, uh, here comes Tom Ricketts walking up the steps and uh, leads over to Sean and hands him a couple tickets. Says, "Hey, why don't you go sit down here?" And, will come down later. And so sure enough, uh, I got to enjoy the uh, Cubs Giants game sitting with Tom Ricketts. So that's something that for, for a guy like me is probably a once in a lifetime thing, but that, that was pretty cool. 
And of course, the not the non-drinker had to buy the beers. So it is what it is. Fair trade. That's uh wow, that's a uh, quite a tale, Tom. I I have to ask now because I had a pretty incredible experience for Game Seven uh, of the 2016 World Series because when they were down three to one, and I started looking ahead, I'm like, man, they have to get to seven. When is Game Seven? I started looking ahead to the schedule, and I realized, crap, that's the day I fly out for the U.S. Open that year in Las Vegas. So we get on the flight. The Wi-Fi doesn't work on the flight, so the uh, the pilot is actually giving us updates throughout the course of the game. And so we, we go through this crazy thing. Obviously, there was the, the uh, weather delay. We get to South Point for the – basically, we get there when uh, – uh, I can't think of the name right now. But uh, as they take the lead in the 10th, I, I, I literally got there, got to watch. Uh, why can't I think of his name right now? Aaron, are you a real fan? I, I, I'm blanking right now. <laughs> I can't think of his name. But we literally got there right when he got the hit to put the Cubs ahead. And, like, it, it was just a crazy – Jason Thomas and I, uh, we were just one – Zobris, that's what it is, yes. Uh, Zobris hit. Um, but yeah, it was just a crazy day just getting there, being able to actually get to South Point in time to watch, you know, that transpire. We were listening to it, to it on the radio. I thought with the delay, it was going to be, you know, oh, I have plenty of time. I can check in. So we ended up watching at one of the bars down there. But, uh, uh, Tom, for you, were you already in Vegas for that? I know you competed at the U S open that year. Were you, uh, already in town or did you come in later? I was. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was already in town. Um, I watched them. I was staying. Um, I didn't stay at South Point that year. That year, I stayed at the Grandview, uh, right next to the South Point. Um, I sat in the so those are apartment style um, condos over there. I wore my Anthony Rizzo Anthony Rizzo jersey. Sat on my couch, watched Game Five. They won. Wore my Anthony Rizzo jersey. Sat on the couch. They won Game Six. Um, Chris Loshetter, who I'm sure you guys both know pretty well, he's also a, a huge Cubs fan. Um, we were all in town together. He invited me to go out with them for game seven. I said, absolutely not. I sat in, in my room by myself on my couch with my Anthony Rizzo jersey on to, uh, to ride that roller coaster of emotions that night. Wow, what, what, what a game. Um, you know, and yeah, yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget that night sitting there, you know, all by myself, yelling and screaming and the, the Cubs had finally won the World Series. That they did. Well, Tom, as a, as a bowling fan and, uh, and a historian, uh, I promise I will not forget the name of the guy who won the 2011 USBC Masters when it's time for Masters Bowling Trivia. Uh, I just want to throw that out there, but uh, very cool that you guys had that connection and uh, finally got the got the thing done uh, that year, whatever year that was. Um, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's transition back. We'll talk a little bit about bowling. When you're not watching the Cubs games growing up in Iowa, uh, a lot of great names uh, from from the state there. Uh, many we've talked to and about here on Inside the OC. A lot of interviews over the years. Uh, many people who you bowl with uh, at the OC. But uh, tell us some some background. Uh, we know. Tom Hess is uh, the fiery, passionate uh, guy who you always know how he's bowling based on the demeanor on the lanes, uh, whether it's good or bad. There's probably yelling involved, uh, but a different kind of yelling. But uh, tell us about the background a little bit, things maybe 
uh, that we don't know and, and how you got to be uh, what ended up being the, the PBA Midwest Region Rookie of the Year, multiple uh, time player of the year in that region as well. And then, of course, uh, the Masters champ uh, that we got to know very well uh, in the decade since. Well, I, I grew up in a little town just south of Des Moines called Indianola. Um, my dad actually worked at the bowling center uh, for Carl Martin, who was the, the owner um, when I first started bowling. Um, my whole family bowled. Grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunts, uncles. Um, it was just something we did. And uh, it was just something that <clears throat> I picked up at an early age and something that I really excelled at. And I, you know, when I was young, I was, you know, I was a bowling alley rat. You know, I was always there all day, all night, bowling right-handed, left-handed, you know, messing around. Um, picked up the, picked up the love of the sport and just something that I just, I stuck to, you know, my mom and dad took me um, when I got old enough to travel a little bit. Um, you know, all them eons ago, since you guys keep pointing out how old I am, there was we're, we're about to, that's the next section for junior boy that there is today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there wasn't quite the options for um, you know junior bowling as it was back then, all the all the events that they have now. But um, you know, I, I won some events traveling to you know down to Kansas City and up to Minnesota to bowl, and um, you know the GISBTs. Uh, youth scholarship tournament that's here in Iowa now wasn't around when I was that age. Uh, my daughter competes in those now. Uh, wish I'd have had that opportunity. But that, that's really what led to it, you know? I mean, I've just always always been competitive at it. Um, when I turned into a young adult, we have what I feel um, probably right along with the NEBA, you know, um, but the Greater Iowa Bowling Association, uh, they, Joe Inglekiss and his family, uh, Took it over from Dirk Wheat. Uh, I started bowling those when I was young and competitive. You know, the best bowlers in the Midwest show up to these things and, you know, always wanting to win one of those. Now I'm probably up around, oh, 15 or 20 Greater Iowa titles. Um, and, you know, won the, they offer a point system where now they give a spot to the Masters, to the guy with the most points. I've won that a couple of times. Uh, you know, I, I credit credit those events for, uh, you know, turning me into what I am. Well, we're definitely going to talk about uh, your, your history on the lanes and, and your success in PBA Open Championships. Uh, but you're right. Now we, we have pointed out once or twice so far that uh, you have now reached a, a personal milestone. Uh, and now that we are so far removed from that first wooden bowling ball and, and all the success that you've had, uh, now that you have turned 50, uh, it has really opened a door. For a lot of guys, it does. It's it's an opportunity because you're so competitive already. Uh, it's almost like a second bowling career at the same time. So simultaneously, uh, kind of a double dip, but in, in, in a good way. And and something I'm sure you're very much looking forward to. Um, and that happened to coincide, of course, with all of this wackiness in 2020. But uh, talk about reaching that milestone, what you were looking forward to, as we have talked about uh, some senior team USA opportunities, different things like that. Uh, but tell us what you had in mind, what you had planned for uh, reaching 50 years old uh, around this time. Well, it, it's no um, 
secret, I guess, that the last the last few years on tour haven't been um, what I had been accustomed to. You know what I mean? The guys are so good out there, and my rev rate's not quite high enough. But yeah, um, turning fifty really really rejuvenated me uh, personally. About you know just being able to go out on the senior tour. I was looking so forward to that. Um, had made plans to bowl them all. Had actually, unfortunately, had to give up my spot for um, the USBC Open Championships last year because there was a there was a PBA event, a PBA 50 event, the weekend that we were supposed to bowl. Um, so my my plans for that was to bowl them all. Um, hopefully, there's a tour next year. Right now, that that's my plan is to bowl them all. Um, you know, it's been nice being able to bowl. I haven't bowled that many over-unders, but uh, I've bowled a couple over-unders. Those, those are fun. Uh, kind of nice when when the kids figure out that you're going to be 50 and they start arguing over who gets to be your doubles partner for all the over-under events. That, uh, that feels pretty good. Um, going back to the, you know, you brought up the senior Team USA. Uh, last yeah. couple of years, I've, I've bowled team trials. I, I've earned that right. Uh, won my spot uh, through team trials at the USBC Open Championships. And, uh, you know, I've had both years, four pretty solid days um, and one real stinker. And uh, I've been working hard on that short pattern that's just been killing me. You know, both days, it's been that really short pattern that I absolutely struggled on. And uh, so I've been working hard on that. I'm starting to even have more success now on the PBA shorter patterns. The wolf pattern is only a 32 foot pattern on the PBA tour, that kills me. So they're working on that, working on, uh, you know, getting my ball to see that friction right. And uh, I'm definitely gonna be filling out my resume and, and hoping to be one of the, one of the people picked to bowl um, with the world championships. I don't know what's, I know last year was a year um, mm -hmm. where there was going to be some senior competition. I don't know if that's just been canceled or pushed back, but uh, it, it would be such an honor uh, to bowl for the red, white, and blue on uh, a chance to represent my country. I know there's there's plenty of good good senior tour players, um, but I would, you know, just given the chance, I would, I would relish being one of the four chosen to go do that. Uh, you didn't mention uh, some pretty important things there uh, that, that we should uh, look back at as well. You mentioned uh, earning your spot at the Team USA Trials through the Open Championships. Uh, that is one of our side events of Bracket Product uh, where you pay the $35 entry fee, and it's based on your all events total for the Open Championships. One in ten then advance to the Team USA Trials. So uh, you saved quite a few dollars there uh, earning it that way. And uh, I know that event meant a lot to you because – not only are you trying to, to make a little bit of a name for yourself as far as, as you said, your resume for Senior Team USA, but you feel that at this point in your career, certainly uh, you still have what it takes and, and you can get the job done uh, to make the adult Team USA uh, and, you know, just outright. And, and of course, you got to share that experience with your daughter, which is pretty awesome as well. Um, and uh, again, as you said, very motivated to improve and to make it a five-day performance, of course, is what it takes uh, to make Team USA. Uh, for 2020, uh, it was going to be a, a Pan American Senior Championships year, all resume-based. So 2021 
uh, initially scheduled for the world championships, all of that being worked out. But uh, uh, again, it sounds like just uh, being close and being 50 uh, has motivated you to do a whole bunch of things. You use the word rejuvenated. Uh, I have no doubt that getting to share the lanes uh, with your daughter and wanting to, to kind of push each other there has had to have been pretty special to you as well. Uh, tell us about that part of it before we reminisce about uh, some of the good old days. Let's talk about the recent days and the future days where now uh, you're at this competitive level and, and getting to see her excel has to be pretty special for you as well. I know Aaron has some some great stories and memories uh, of seeing you out there on the collegiate trail too. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, so so growing up, um, <clears throat> I wasn't the kind of dad that made either of my kids bowl. They both started when they were little, then they came, they grew up, they got their own interests. Um, Megan was a softball player. She played softball up until she was a freshman in high school. Um, and she's, she decided, you know, Hey dad, I'm done playing softball. And she was a pitcher. So that's a lot of work, you know, going to practice. And then while all the other kids go home, you know, she went and threw for an hour, hour and a half after, and she just decided, um, you know, she was okay. She wasn't great. She was, she was, she was good. Um, but probably wasn't going to lead to much. And she decided she wanted to start bowling. So she started, she started working on it. And then, uh, you know, it all just, it all just kind of clicked. And she had a very good high school career uh, here in Iowa. She was the two-time bowler of the year in her class in Iowa. And uh, then she decided to, to go to St. Ambrose. Um, pretty good program they got over there and she's been been fortunate enough to make the the varsity team both years and then uh this year um looks like she's gonna she's definitely gonna make the team looks like she's gonna finish second in trials this year which was which was pretty good um but yeah watching watching her grow and want it and you know she's she's been working so hard um she's actually been bowling some of the adult stuff in Iowa now, you know, she's turned 20. So she's actually um, an, an adult uh, sanctioned bowler now, not, not a youth anymore. Um, but, you know, talking about, talking about Megan, the, you know, there's a couple things that stick out. Uh, she, she bowled 300 in a high school meet. Um, fortunately I was there. Um, as we know, I travel a lot. So I, I do miss, a few of the things when she's bowling, but I was there, they shot 300 and, uh, probably the, I would say on a big stage, um, the thing that makes me absolutely the most proud was, uh, her freshman year in Smyrna. Um, she was one of the six girls that, uh, qualified for the IA. Um, down in Smyrna. Um, the only non-NCAA uh, girl to make it out of that region. Um, pretty tough region when Vanderbilt sends their girls and Arkansas State sends their girls and Stephen F. Austin, you know, and St. Ambrose and, um, oh, I forget all who was there, but I mean, I want to, I want to uh, say there was a hundred and, I think it was like 130 girls bowling that day and she finished fourth. And as a dad, that that, that makes you feel great. Yeah, Tom, it was uh, 165 actually uh, was the total 
of uh, okay. female qualifiers there in Smyrna. Uh, I got to be at that event, got to see Megan uh, yeah, start off by qualifying for singles, and then the team ended up winning uh, the, the team portion of it. That came down to the final frame. That was uh, super exciting as well. And, you know, for me, uh, with kind of the expanded Bull TV schedule last year, uh, I call a lot of St. Ambrose events and, I, you know, got to see you in a different capacity, you know, not wearing, you know, the Storm jersey or the logo infusion jersey or anything like that. You're wearing the St. Ambrose uh, colors representing the team. You're back there. Uh, Steve Jaros is back there with you as well. Uh, his daughter bowls for them, too. And, you know, what was that experience like for you just, you know, kind of being out there? Each week in a different, you know, it's similar to the regionals. You're out there in a different bowling alley every week. But uh, and I could hear it from now just how immensely proud you are of her. But, you know, what was it like being out there instead of being Tom Hess? You got to be Megan's dad. Uh, you know, uh, the truth, uh, it's hard. You know, um, watching her bowl, I mean, I want her to do better than I want to do. You know, I put so much behind there's so much, oh, how do I want to put this? You know what I mean? Um, you, you talk about there's got to be a lot of pressure on her when when she's, you know, and Hannah, you know what I mean? When Steve and I are there, you know, uh, it, it, it it's hard, you know. Not only the fact that the, the hardest thing is I'm not in control, you know, of that, of that situation. I can't go down and say, hey, Megan, make a two-in-one here. Hey, Megan. Switch to this ball. You know what I mean? It's a team aspect, the team sport where you just got to relinquish everything and let it go and let her coach, you know, um, steer the girls in the right direction. And and I'm pretty hands-on when it comes to Megan and helping it out. And uh, we communicate pretty well. And, you know, you're bringing that up. That's going to kind of change subjects here, but it's going to be hard at, at team trials this year with no spectators allowed right now. I'm not going to be able to go watch. So you're just gonna have to let her go and let her go on her own, and you know the the whole the whole watching man. I'd rather be on the lanes throwing the ball than standing there watching. <clears throat> wow, well, now that's a, a perfect segue into your personal journey. Uh, we mentioned 2003 PBA Midwest uh, Rookie of the Year, uh, Megan. You said uh, 20 years old, of course, having two children. Uh, timing wise, tell us about. The decision at that point, 2003, uh, you know, she's a youngster, you're a youngster, um, but tell us about the decision to join the PBA at that point and, and start chasing a, a different path. Well, you, you know, um, I cashed at the very first PBA event I bowled. I bowled as a non-member up, uh, up in Madison at Boulevard. Um, didn't know. You know, I mean, when I when I was young, I was uh, how do I want to put this? I, I was a wild child. Um, I don't know if some people know I'm 23 years sober now. So I used to drink. I was, you know, it just just never was the right time. I didn't when I joined the PBA in 2003. It wasn't necessarily to go on tour. Um, it was to be be able to bowl the regionals, um, find out, you know, let's, let's just see if, if we can do this. Um, I had some success. My very first regional win was um, at the RPI, at the Midwest Region RPI, 
back when they used to take the uh, top six in points and the top two finishers uh, to the RPI, I got to go to Reno is where it, where it was. And uh, I beat Lenny Vorish, moment I'll never forget, Drew Clash gentleman right there. Um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be happy uh, about losing, but, uh, you know, we all talk about emotions. You know, I, I struck in the ninth, and that, that shut out Lenny. Um, Lenny struggled a little bit, and uh, being the true gentleman he is, he goes up, picks up his ball, gets ready to bowl his ninth and frame, tenth frame, and he turns around. He says, you know, feels great, doesn't it? And I lost it. You know, I just started balling. Um, so... I won, won that RPI, got, got to go to the RPI, had some pretty good success, um, won a couple tournaments the next couple of years, and then they decide to uh, start the exempt tour. Um, I'm lucky with, with my location that the year, I, I think it was 2003 or four or five that they decided to, to uh, announce that the next year was going to be an exempt tour. So. Uh, I tell this story all the time. I decided to, at the time I was working for United Rentals, I was driving a truck um, for, for trench safety. I uh, delivered shoring boxes and stuff. But uh, I took Monday off work. I drove over, bowled, had to bowl the, the PTQ. They were called rabbit squads back then. Um, I make it, make it into the tournament. So I drive back home. I ask uh, Kirk Von Kruger, um, who was the tournament director. I said, Kirk, can I please get B-Squad? said, I'm going to work, and then I'm going to drive over and bowl. So Kirk, Kirk gave me gave me B-Squad. So I drive back home. I work that morning, and then I drive over. I bowl good. I make the cut. Uh, make match play and end up finishing 18. You know, not not great by any means, but, you know, hey, back then, 18, that was a, that was a pretty decent paycheck. So... The next week, same deal. Get up Monday morning, drive down to Kansas City. They're at their Lunar Bowl, absolutely beautiful center down in Kansas City. 57 guys show up for 57 spots. So they don't they don't have the rabbit squad. So I practiced for about a half an hour, 45 minutes. Asked Kirk, same thing. Uh, he said, sure, he could do it. He wasn't going to be able to do it all the time, but he could do it one more time. So I drove back home Monday. I worked. worked uh, Monday afternoon and Tuesday and then a little bit Wednesday that that Wednesday morning uh, I actually had to get up we had a customer that needed a trench box delivered up to the Minnesota Iowa border which is you know only about a two two hour and 15 minute drive from Des Moines um, so I get up four o'clock in the morning drive up there meet the gentleman um, it's a crappy rainy cold you know um, fall day all I'm supposed to do is drop up, drive up, drop off uh, the trench box and leave. Well, the gentleman didn't have anybody to help put it together. You know, I don't know people don't know what a trench box is, but it, it goes down into the ground, keeps the ground from, from caving in. This particular one um, needed to be eight foot wide, and it was an eight foot tall by 24 foot long trench box. So there's no way for him to be in the machine and put it together himself. So out in the rain, I helped the guy put this together. Um, you know, it takes, you know, it takes about 45 minutes to an hour, hustle back, get in my car, drive home, drive down to Kansas City while I get sick. And I end up, I go ahead and bowl. By the end of the day, I can barely even talk. I, I feel awful. And, and I missed the cut by about a mark. And 
that's when on um, that drive home, I just, I, I made the decision that now wasn't the right time. That, uh, you know, I had, had a wife, two young kids at home and I couldn't gamble on their future. I knew I, I knew I had the ability to do it, you know what I mean? But that's when I just said, you know, the, the greats aren't doing this. Chris Barnes, Tommy Jones, Pete Weber, those guys aren't working Monday and Tuesday, you know, and then driving two and a half, three hours to get to the bowl and qualifying. And uh, uh, it, you know, it was it was it was hard, you know, because you know the weekend before I had before all that started. Uh, they used to have a regional in the Southwest region uh, down in Springfield, Missouri, where all those guys would show up uh, because the next week was up in Omaha. And, and I bowled really good. I beat, beat most of them. I think I lost uh, in my match to Chris Barnes, but it was a close match. And I, I knew I could do it, And but gave it away. You know, not, not gave it away, but, but basically quit chasing that dream then. Um, bold tour trials a couple of times. And, you know, back then I, I, I was still a thrower of the ball, I guess I would say. Um, didn't really bowl. Um, but all the years of being out on tour, and I think I've learned how to bowl a little bit better. And then, like I said, uh, you know, I've had a couple of, a couple of really close um, calls and heartbreak situations. There was a, there was a year at the RPI um, where they switched to um, the RPI was tour trials where they got rid of tour trials. So you had to qualify through the region to be able to, to get your spot on tour. And um, God rest his soul, Steve Stevens was the lane man out in the Northwest. And on the very first day of the RPI, he made a mistake. Um, we're supposed to mow on Cheetah and half of the house was oiled with chameleon and half of the house was oiled with cheetah. Uh, they didn't catch it in time. They decided to go ahead and bowl the, the tournament um, that way. And uh, they figured that most everybody would get three and three. I didn't bowl very good those three games on chameleon. wasn't prepared for it. I The three games I got on cheetah went 195 over. Um, fast forward to the end of the tournament. They, the top eight got their exemption. I finished about 45 short of getting my exemption. Um, you know, there's been lots of lots of journeys like that. And then, you know, finally got her done. I got my title. Am I happy? Um, I'm I'm happy. I'm content. Well, I, I want to win again. Um, there was a you know that whole one hit wonder thing. I want I want to get rid of that. Sorry, well, now we know there's a, there's a, there's a lot of guys who have had regional success uh, and they're satisfied with that. They have jobs, they have families. Uh, they're, they're excited to be out there competing on the weekends, as you mentioned, but uh, there's other things that, that are higher priority. Um, and then, you know, for you, you you're, you're kind of in and out doing, doing everything that you loved, which is great that you're able to do that. Uh, and then, um, the PBA tour has transitioned as well. 2010, 11 comes around, uh, your regional success continues, uh, and then the masters happen. So, um, before we get to the open championships part of the show, let's talk about that 2011 event. As you said, um, as we know, a dream come true, of course, 
Uh, every player, you know, wants to be out there throwing the shots to get it done. Uh, for you, it was a PBA Tour win. Finally, after all the regional success and the close calls, it was a major. Um, you know, it was in the National Bowling Stadium. There's, there's really no place like it. Uh, and for the last time for a while at that point, uh, the Masters and the Open Championships shared the same stage. Uh, so take us to 2011 uh, when it all finally happened for you. Oh, what a week. Um, you know, to start the week, it really, really wasn't anything all that special. Um, I bowled pretty good. Um, anytime you can be in the top 64 and, and make the cut at the Masters, it, it's a pretty good event. Um, I was I, w- I was the, the 33 seed that week. Uh, I had to bowl my, my very first match against uh, a very good, uh, a, a guy that I've become to be very good friends with. Um, every time I seem to talk about him, it's when I when I beat him. But uh, my first match was against Lenny Borish. Um, didn't really do anything special. I can remember the ball I was using. I was throwing a high road. I threw a high road um, through most of qualifying. And uh, Lenny and I bowled a really close match. I think I beat him 649 to 638. Um, that made me uh, bet that I would bowl the winner of the 164 match. And this year, in 2011, was the very first year that the USBC had changed um, to automatically giving the previous year's winner a, a spot into the bracket where they actually had to bowl. And uh, Walter Ray was the defending champion, and Walter Ray didn't make the didn't make the cut. He had to bowl Bill O'Neill in the first match, and uh, was on the pair right next to me. And I watched Walter just just absolutely run Bill O'Neill over, uh, bowled seven thirty or seven forty, playing up the gutter. So um, my plan was to go to the next pair and move over to the gutter with a strong ball and see what I could do to uh, kind of, you know, maybe mess up the lanes a little bit for Walter. I had drilled, excuse me, I had drilled a, uh, a virtual gravity nano earlier in the week. Um, it didn't, didn't really, it, 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 it was just a little bit too strong throughout the week, you know, with all the guys playing and four guys on a pair, it just, just didn't roll all that good it was close but uh chris schlemmer was my ball rep at the time i said hey schlem i'm gonna go grab that that nano and i'm gonna go over to the gutter and see what we can do uh you know i put some surface on it you know they say there's no defense in bowling but you know it is what it is and lo and behold that that ball it just was running them over so i make the decision to to go ahead and uh throw that in the late night match against walter ray and i i bowled 777 at walter um to get the win a- after that match i talked to talk chris i said hey chris i'd like to drill another one of those we went and drilled um one of those that that matched the high road i was throwing which that ball happens to be sitting right back there um nice. so got it um but yeah you guys you guys were mentioning earlier about the people that i went through i call it uh i call it hall of fame bro. um like I said, Lenny Borish in the first match, 640th to 630th. Then I beat Walter Ray 770 to, I think he bowled like 650. Um, then I forget the order here. It was either Tommy Jones and then Patrick Allen or Patrick Allen and then, and then Tommy Jones, but I bowled 
750 and 760 at them. And then uh, got to uh, beat Chris Warren to actually make the show. And uh, man, what a relief. And then actually lost in the, to win the winner's bracket, actually lost to Jack uh, to be the number two seed. And then, you know, beat Mika. And then, of course, what do you say? I got, we got a couple of breaks. Uh, was able to take advantage of it. Jack ran on to some, some hard times there. Um, you know, I, I go back to when I when I missed um, in the eighth frame. You know, Jack had went up and left a 210. I was on a strike in the seventh. Um, he 210s, I step up, I strike there, I take the lead. And I, I didn't throw a very good shot. I left a 3-6. Made the spare, come back, struck in the night. Went went back, sat down. I didn't get mad. I, I, you know, I just said, hey, just let out a big deep breath and said, you know, second place at the Masters, that's that's not all that bad, you know. Um, and then lo and behold, Jack gets up and does it again, you know, two tens again, um, then strikes and then seven tens to where now all I need is nine on the first ball. and. Um, you know, I, I, I think if I got mad there in the eighth frame when I missed, if I'd have got mad, I don't know that I'd have struck. Um, but then, you know, we all know what uh, great sportsman Jack is. I struck. You can call it premature celebration if you want, but, I mean, I needed four pins on the next shot. I know some crazy things could happen. A guy could foul. A guy could throw in the gutter. Um, but, you know, Jack, uh, just the sportsman that he is, stepping up on the approach, going, hey, you know, Tom, you got to finish. You're not done yet. Um just shows what kind of a true class guy Jack Jurek is. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. My kids, you know, everybody gives me a hard time. You know, I was saying it on national TV. I was just enjoying the moment, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a lifelong dream come true. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, with, like you said, with my daughter, I've traveled to all these junior tournaments now and seeing all these kids. And I hope they I, – I wish that everybody – would get to live that dream just once. It, it, it's, you know, an unbelievable, unbelievable week. You know, oh, so much, so much stuff from that. So much stuff <clears> from that. I, I roomed with Mike Style that week, a friend of mine from the Chicago land, and uh, Mike didn't make the cut. Mike had left. Um, so once I made the show Saturday afternoon, you know, I was in I was in Reno by myself, so I said, oh, I'm just gonna go walk over to the Bowen Center and just hang out. One one of the funny stories, I'm really good. Uh, I love Timmy Mac. I you know Timmy Mac's always been one of my biggest supporters. Always treated me great. And Timmy was actually competing on tour back then, um, not a ball rep like he is now. And uh, so the pro ams were going on, and Tim's out on the lanes. They're getting ready to take pictures and stuff. And Tim hollers at me, says, Hey, Tom. Tom Get this picture. The photographer says, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, you, you can't be in this picture. This picture's uh, for, for bowlers only, you know? And Tim's like, dude, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. He's okay to be in this picture. So, you know, I'll be, I get to be in that picture, and I, and I hope those people enjoy that. 
And then, you know, you know, getting back to Tim, I, I'm nervous. You know, it's my second show. I made a show in 2009 um, out on, at the stadium. Um, and I was just, I was in the back, you know, back in the squad room where you get, you guys know where that's at, back behind the pin spotters. And uh, Timmy was really big in um, getting all the international guys to come over, you know, because Tim was traveling the world. You know, he was the best bowler in the world back, back then. And uh, he was walking with some of the international guys, and he just walked by, and he says, Tom, he says, don't, don't be good tomorrow. Be great. And uh, that's something that just, just always stuck with me. And, you know, so many memories, man. I could talk for – I could keep talking and talking and talking. But <clears throat> now, As you described, in those final frames of that Masters win, uh, you could have gotten angry and, and perhaps – uh, old Tom Hess, or sorry, prior Tom Hess, might have uh, because you did. You, you had the reputation, of course. You're you're a fiery guy, emotional on the lanes. Uh, but to not get angry in that moment definitely showed growth and maturity and such. So you had to come a long way and, and were able to handle that moment. And you said uh, the photographer uh, didn't know who Tom Hess was. Well, if anybody asked me and said, "Hey, who is Tom Hess? Can you can you describe him? Can you sum him up?" I would simply bring up this photo because this encapsulates all of that right here. That is Tom Hess uh, to, to a T. That is all of the fire. That is the dream coming true. Uh, that is all of those things in one picture. Uh, we'll definitely see that one again in the next couple of days for sure. Uh, but uh, I think that's, that's celebration. That's relief. That's a lot of things happening all in one photo. That, that, uh, Yeah. I've, I've actually got that hanging up in my garage. It's awesome. You know, a lot of <clears throat> walking into Las Vegas into uh, to see that for the 2012 Masters. You know, the opportunity that they gave me to take one of those, absolutely. And it's hanging up in my garage. Wow. Well, now we know that uh, going back many decades, the Open Championships and the Masters kind of synonymous sharing a stage. Uh, but now we're going to make the transition from, from that great win, uh, your lone PBA Tour title, the major win, uh, to your long career at the Open Championships, which it, it all works together, of course, uh, and it's, it's special in its own way. Uh, but let's talk about that. Your career now, uh, 26 consecutive years, going back to 1994 was your debut, uh, and not yeah, a spectacular a one, year by many means. Um <laughs> You know, looking at the numbers, somebody would say, "Hey, did did he miss a game or two here and there?" Um, but uh, no doubt, often a learning opportunity for the competitors, uh, or or what. Uh, but uh, things got very much better after that first year. But tell us about the debut, Mobile, Alabama, in 1994. What was it like? What in the world happened? Uh, and then what happened uh, in the year that uh, that happened in between 94 and 95 to improve nearly 600 pins and, and get started on a really great career. Well, it's easy to improve 600 pins when you bowl that bad. Um, and for the record, that number was that uh, was 1360 with 398 and doubles. Hey, 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 now, come on. Um, uh, boy. Um, that that was my that was my very first um, try on what I would call the national stage. I hadn't even bowled a mini eliminator or a high roller or anything like that. I had uh, 
I'd, I'd had some success around Iowa. You know, I was a pretty good youth bowler. Or, you know, had been cashing in quite a few tournaments. Um, sorry, I got nature, guys. But uh, yeah, you want to talk about expectation and pressure and not handling it well? I was the definition of of not handling that well. Um, just heart racing, hundred beats a minute. You know what I mean? Just uh, I I I don't even want to talk about it. But how, how about the fact that I'm that you know I'm 600 under in the in the first year and yet I'm averaging like 205 now lifetime so that's pretty good. Can we talk about that? That is said? that is definitely good. That's Certainly, uh, that that will become part of this conversation. But uh, about that first year, uh, how did you end up at the event? Uh, Mobile, Alabama, long way from Iowa. Uh, but it's always great to hear how somebody got started at the OC uh, and then after that. Uh, what made you want to come back in 1995? Well, I just, um, I got asked to go by some older gentlemen that, uh, that I bowled with, some people that I respected. Um, you know, uh, I, like I said, you know, back when I was uh, at that age, you know, I was 20, that would have been 22, 23 at that time. And um, bowling, uh, bowling was something I was always good at, but uh, I, I didn't have my priorities right. Let's put, let's put it that way. Um, back then, I was, you know, I, I drank a lot. I was in the bars a lot, and um, so I never really had the opportunity. Finally, got the opportunity to go, and I can't believe the guys even asked me to go back the next year. I think they all <laughs> saw a little bit, you know, more in me than than I than I did, and what a God! Thanks, Matt. Making me really hey, that's what we're here for. But we're here to see we, I've, I've had, we start I've had off and then I've, <laughs> I've had two events where I've shot higher than 1360. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, so people, oh gosh, oh, some friends from home, and yeah, flew into New York. Oh my goodness, what a trip! Well, the important part is that you came back. And again, as you mentioned, averaging nearly 209 for almost three decades. So you came back. You came back with a vengeance. We'll just say 1923 the next year. So things went quite a bit better. Uh, and you still bowled the same amount of games. Uh, but uh, <laughs> all, all of these years later, uh, again, getting more comfortable with your surroundings, some great teammates around you, um, and putting solid performances together. Uh, one after the other, and then a breakout for you. Uh, and we'll fast forward a dozen years now to 2006, and this is our first opportunity uh, to to meet up on the lanes at the OC. Uh, big, big year for you. Uh, 300 in the singles event, 792, making a run in an eagle. Um, tell us now, going into that, uh, and of course, haven't been at the event now for for more than a decade. Uh, did you did you understand that the guys you bowled with, did your experiences really? help you understand what this event, what the Eagles were all about, uh, what you accomplished, uh, what it actually meant and could mean, uh, should you be able to, to take home the Eagle as well? You know, yeah, obviously, obviously I knew about the Eagles. You know what I mean? I, I want, I want to win an Eagle. Um, I, I say I have an Eagle cause I won the masters, but I mean, is that really an Eagle? You know what I mean? I won a USBC event. Um, <laughs> It's funny you talk about that being my breakout year. 
um, the, the, the night before I took the lead in singles, I stood down by the bay debating about whether or not to throw every bowling ball I had into the middle of the ocean because my team had bowled a very respectable 32-50-ish score with my whopping 566. And, uh, you know, had I, had I bowled my single score in my team place, we win the Eagle that year. But, uh, you know, you, you regroup, you come back. Um, it, it's a day I won't, won't soon forget. We, we walk in, we draw one and two and three and four for singles and doubles. And we're thinking, oh, great, got the end pairs. Here we go. Um, doubles started out okay. I bowled two team 260, and I bowled 160. Um, and you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. Um, one of them deals, I, I'll never forget the bowling bowls I was throwing. I was throwing a favor zone. Um, I bowled 224 the first game of singles. I started out two pin, 10 pin, 10 pin. Made a ball change to a scorching inferno was the ball at the time. And uh, threw it back 21. Pretty special feeling. Um, you were there, Matt. We interviewed afterwards. Uh, you got to see the good animation of Tom Hess there. I think everybody in the stadium knew how I was bowling. Um, first time I'd ever done anything really big on, uh, on a big stage like that. And, uh, man, that was a lot of fun to, uh, to come home and check the scores every day for a couple of months. And, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, another, you know, I've got so many good friends from this sport of bowling. Uh, Jeff Riggles and I have become very, very good friends and, uh, come home from work one day, check, you know, open up my email. This is back and forth. Cellular phones and all that, couldn't get it right on the spot. And I opened up my email and, and a message from Riggs says, sorry, man. That's all it said. And I'm like, oh no. And I look and sure enough, Dave Barker beat me by one pin. Well, now. So I knew my email was gone. You know, then it's just, gosh, can you hold on? Can you hold on? And then that score got beat. And then Wendy McPherson on the last day of the event, well, 8 12 to win singles that year. Well, first, uh, thank you for you know dispelling all the myths about uh, the end pairs and 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 bowling well, so that uh, nobody nobody can be afraid of of that jaw anymore. Um, and now about the seven ninety two and another close call for you. Uh, it seems like it's kind of a, a frequent theme for you, but um, that moment being that close, you had the three hundred, which is pretty awesome, pretty special, grabs you a place in history, of course, uh, but. No doubt that moment, that event, probably motivation for you moving forward as you continue in your career to, to have it that close and then just come up a little bit short. Uh, talk about the, the years that followed and the motivation that came from that 2006 event. Well, um, you know, it, it's funny you say about disappointment. Obviously, it's disappointment. Um, but it wasn't, it, you know, when I left Corpus Christi, I, I was in the league. So I'd done everything I could do. I, I had taken the lead. Um, and that, you, you know, my, my friendships have led me to really, really want the Eagles. Some of my best friends, I mean, you know, Jeff Riggles and his whole group, Steve Richter, Shady, Gail Myers, um, um, John Blank. Oh, and uh, Shades. You know, I've pulled a couple of events with them. Um, some guys that I bowl a lot with, you know, uh, 
Dave Brenner win Eagles, Nick Heilman, Andy Mills, Rob Warren, um, you know, Matt Melissovich, Trevor Yonan. I was actually supposed to bowl this year in Trevor's place and was so looking forward to that, um, to bowl with those guys and, you know, to go bowl with an Eagle winning team. Um, you know, my, my drive and, and my motivation is just, I just, I want to win every time I step on the lane. Uh, and sometimes that, sometimes that brings out the best of me. Sometimes it brings out the worst, but uh, it's who I am, it's who I'm going to be. And, you know, until, until I take my shoes off and don't bowl again, I'm going to, I'm going to be out there to win. Now you mentioned the camaraderie, all the friendships, uh, and we know we already mentioned that Iowa having a, a very close knit bowling community. A lot of folks that we've gotten to know over the years because of their affiliation with the Open Championships: uh, Jason Guest, Andy Shutt, Andy Chirpich, all folks that you've bowled with uh, in recent years. We've got uh, Joe and, and Greg Engelkiss and AJ Chapman and Rich Amy. A lot of tradition there. Uh, and then fast forward now to 2014. Uh, where you got close again. You flirted with 800 and 300 and the Eagle Run. And uh, I believe Aaron actually was a part of this one um, with Angie Chirpich. Again, uh, just a, a friendly bunch, a lot of fun, a lot of success from all of those bowlers as well. But uh, tell us about this now. Now it's not about you. It's not about singles, uh, but it's a doubles event. Had to be a lot of fun, but another close call and another year. Uh, with a top five finish, but no eagle for you. Yeah, um, that that was a that was another great year. Um, I don't know if people remember, but back then, uh, exempt players could not bowl. So when I won the Masters and then was deemed exempt, even though I didn't get the bowl exempt, those two years that I couldn't bowl um, the USBC. So this year was my was my first year back. And um, got put up with with um, a local group of great friends. Um, you mentioned Jason. Jason's been drilling my bowling balls now for probably 25 or 26 years. Um, and uh, so I, I've always wanted to bowl with Jason. And it finally came up to where that year we were able to make things work. Um, and what a great what a great event. Um, I, I bowled very well. Um, I think I bowled 789 that night. Yeah. But uh, the reason the reason we got third um, is Angie. Uh, uh, she was she had bowled two really good games, and then that third game she was struggling. She had 68 in the fifth. Um, she made a ball change, made a big lane change, and she turned 68 in the fifth in the 207. Um, so she. I mean, obviously, I'm a I'm a part of it, uh, bowling 789. But you know, I mean, she could uh, if she doesn't make that ball change and make those great quality shots, we don't finish third. Um, and to do that, you know, to to, to be in the top five with um, such a such a good friend, you know, just it, it meant the world to me. And uh, you know, it hurt this year too. Um, I had to tell that I've been bowling with them ever since, and. Um, with my goals to be PBA 50 player of the year and PBA 50 rookie of the year. Um, you know, obviously I would rather be player of the year more than rookie of the year. Um, with Mooresville supposed to be that weekend, I had, had unfortunately made the, the very tough call to, to step away and not bowl with them. And um, 
So I, I don't know what future holds there, there, whether I'm going back with them or not. So, but uh, yeah, what a, what a great night. And, and again, where was that at? I was at the bowling stadium. Man, I love that building. I am ready to get back there. Well, additionally now, um, before you guys decided it was time to, to part ways temporarily, um, you had one last hurrah, and it wasn't at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno. It actually was at the On Center in Syracuse. Uh, what a fun performance. Two days of, of solid bowling, two different oil patterns for you uh, at that tournament. Again, same fun group, uh, but you got it done in the team event with a 300 again. Uh, so looking forward to hearing uh, from you now all those years apart, how one compared to the other. Uh, but to join the elite group, 32 bowlers have had multiple 300s at the OC. You're the 30th to do so. Uh, first, tell us about that. And it was in the team event. So that had to be pretty special. But uh, talk about one compared to the other uh, and, and how much you'd grown in the years in between. Oh, um, boy, how do, how do you put it in words? Well, obviously, the one was, you know, was in singles. Um, it ended the event um, pretty good, pretty good feeling leaving um, Corpus Christi after doing that. Um, but to step up on stage and perform like that when you're bowling for a team uh, more than more than for yourself is, you know, uh, it, it, it's unbelievable. You know, if, if you want to rank the Eagles, the team Eagle would be the one uh, that I would want, would want the most, you know, just to be able to share that with four other people. Um, Cause you don't, you don't go to an event like that with, with people that you don't care about and to, to, to get that done in, in that event with, you know, four people you really care about would, would be good. Um, the fact that I'm one, one of only 30, well, it's 32 now, but I was the 30th to throw two. Uh, that's mind boggling. A hundred plus years of competition. You know, how right. many people go every year and, and only 30 have ever done it twice. That's, uh, you know, now we, uh, you're gonna we're going to talk about some, some, clip here. some, there it is. <laughs> There's that Tom has fire. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and some people, some people gave me a hard time for this, but I mean, everybody that was around knew, they, they knew the, the fire, the, the, the situation, you know, it, it is what it is. We're on the lanes, we're entertainers too, you know, you got, you got to make it exciting, but uh, it's funny, right, right here. When I got back out on tour, you know, Bill O'Neill says, Man, props to that guy that first came up and gave you high fives. <laughs> that guy, he, he's he, he's living dangerously. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a great night, you know. And then what continued to, you know, we're gonna go back to some more heartbreak here. Yes, sir. What what started out as a great night, and then then I went and bowled um, six more pretty good games. You know, to step up. I'm sure you've got the the video of, of this one. You know, I mean, oh, it was in a little just bit, to, but it could have struck. You know, just to set it up a little bit, we saw the highlight of the 300, uh, 7:32 in the team event. Great start, I'm sure. Uh, maybe creeping into your mind a little bit the possibilities, even though 
Dublin singles on a different pattern. You can't have a start like that and not think, hey, if I do that two more times, then you know I can make a run at this thing. And, and of course, uh, the bar had been set pretty early in that event for all events, 2186 by Kurt Peline. And so you, you knew what you had to do. Uh, you, you knew you still needed a big day. Uh, you came out in doubles and singles, 707, very good score in doubles. Uh, and then things got pretty exciting in singles. You actually turned 517, I believe was the number. So back-to-back 250 games to start off singles. Uh, and then no doubt the wheels are going, the possibilities, maybe, maybe you, you've been in those situations enough that you're able to handle it. But uh, before we talk about the outcome and the back half of game three, uh, tell us about going into game three, knowing that 2186 absolutely is out there after starting with 730 and 7-0 in, in your first two events. Yeah. Um, you know, you're always, I mean, you're always trying to knock down every pin you can. And, you know, to be honest, I really wasn't thinking that I could win all events. I mean, 2180 is pretty huge on that stage. Um, you know, after shooting 730, I come out 7-0. And then, oh, hey, we're thinking, okay, you know, that's a, you know, we're, we're off to a pretty good day. And then evolved 258, 259. Um, and now the possibility is, is there. You know what I mean? I need 220. You know, that, that's really all I need. And uh, very real possibility that, that this could happen. Um, once again, I was with a great group of teammates who were cheering you on, and they all want the best for you. Um, pretty, had a pretty good game um, going. And the, in all honesty, the, the shot that cost me is the, the seventh frame. Hmm. Not not the first ball in the tenth. Um, Absolutely. The shot the shot in the seventh um, was the only time all day long. And I and I don't know why, but I stepped up there, I said, come on, go make a great shot. Um, the other day, the rest of the day, I was just like, hey, come on, just go let it go. You know, kind of what I did at the Masters. Come on, just go let it go. Just go let it go. Um, and that, that shot, that, that frame, I tried to make too good of a shot. I got it right a little bit quick, grab a little bit, whammo, four through the middle. I said, um, just to, just to clarify that our office in Syracuse was downstairs. So we knew, I knew at that point it's time to grab all the gear, get upstairs, get set up Facebook live. This is what we do. This is what the people want. You give them what they want. Uh, so I'm looking at the live scoring as I'm going. Uh, things are happening. It's it's looking really good. So I'm hustling as fast as 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 I can, uh, you know, with all the equipment and not falling up up or down the stairs. Uh, and then by the time I get there, as you mentioned, the seventh frame, uh, I look up and I see the four with the circle around it. And I was like, "What in the world happened?" It was like three minutes from the time I left the office. Um, and uh, and then you're right. That was uh, that was a big moment for you because there was still room to get there. But at the same time, uh, a big mental check for you as well. So now that we're caught up, uh, tell us about uh, about finishing that frame and then resetting your mind to to make a run at it. Well, I, I'm you know now that I hear all this story about you, I think maybe it's your fault. You were hurrying to get there and you put the jinx on me. You know, you and your camera. No, just kidding. Um, ironically, I mean, I I tried to make that, and when I let go of the spare shot, I thought, uh oh. I just went four out. I went four, four, but the four pins I got were the six, the seven, the nine, and the 10. I almost threw the ball in the gutter because obviously to make that spare, you got to hook it a lot. 
So now, you know, quick regroup. Deep breath. Um, obviously, you know, the mind starts churning, you know, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? What do we got to do? Um, I still had room. So I step up, I throw two beautiful shots in the eighth and ninth, you know, both of them 10 back. Um, step up in the ninth and need a double. And when I when I throw the same shot again, absolutely, if I could, I would. Um, was it was it as good as the others? No, it was in a little bit. Um, could have struck solid nine, you know. Motion comes out, fall to the floor, you know, go down to my knees. Oh, I just, you know, I had a great shot to win an eagle, and I just gave it away, um, mm -hmm. you know. And then it's it's. I don't even. I mean. It's not as good as the, the jubilation of winning, but man, it's all, you know, it, it's heartbreak. You know what I mean? It, it truly is. You're, you're right there. And then, you know, just brain, <laughs> even bigger brain fart to get there and I miss it, you know? Um, well, now, going into the, the ninth frame there, you, you had a shot. You had 241. Uh, you needed 231 to get to the number. So you would have had 2187 with 231. Great shot in the ninth. As you said, you got up in the 10th. Um, you said you liked it. It definitely looked left from, from our perspective and, and could have held. Uh, and it was a, a kind of a high flush nine pin. Uh, and then we do have the video of that. Aaron's got that queued up. So we'll take a look uh, at that shot again. Yeah, all of them in the 10th give you 241. You've got the lead. But most importantly, you got to have this one first. Uh, and huge moment, huge, huge moment to step up and, and throw a shot. No doubt, you, you probably, if you didn't know exactly what you needed, you knew uh, the best idea was probably to get uh, get strikes the rest of the way. Oh, yeah, I knew I needed a double. I had a double in the tent. I knew it. Came back today, I knew 707 it. and doubles on our other pattern. And here he is, 10th frame. Got that one left. High flush, the nine won't go. Tom is down on the approach. Liam Motion. Threw the best shot he could there. And then, as you said, uh, just wasn't the best shot I mental today, lapse. You know, that day, but it was good enough to strike. And mental lapse on the on the spare attempt there. Uh, nine out. It was uh, it was wide left. Uh, finished with 2164. So, again, you knew the number was 2186. Needed to get there. Needed that hit. Didn't get it. Uh, missed the spare. 2164. Uh, more emotions, no doubt. You stayed calm the entire time. I was impressed, honestly, for having known you so long and, and seeing the progression of your career. Uh, maybe there's a point where, where there could have been some, some explosion, but you handled it professionally, uh, and we talked after. And this is, this is how far you've come, and, and the professional that you are, uh, we're able to have that conversation, uh, you know, knowing that you did, you did what you could. You put the ball where it needed to go. And unfortunately, you, you came up a little bit short. Uh, ended up with another top five finish at the Open Championships. Uh, again, more motivation as you now get ready for the next stage of your career. Um, talk about that, the, leaving that 10th frame, packing up the equipment, uh, and then just sitting down and, and reflecting on what had just happened over the last two days. Um, well, let's be honest. Um not not very many people get the opportunity 
to step up on the lanes and throw that shot in that situation. Uh, um, you never know if you're going to get that opportunity to step up and throw that shot in that situation again. Um, you know, I don't need to validate myself. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a great bowler. I've won plenty of stuff. But, you know, get, getting that eagle, you know, would have, would have been nice. Um, you know, to win the one over all nine games, you know. Like I said, my first is the team, but I suppose all, all events, you know, proving the fact that you went out and beat everybody for all nine games, you know, that, that's a big one. Um, you know, God, this game's given me some heartbreak, you know, from some jubilation, some heartbreak, you know, from the night before. Yeah, you know, you could see it. it, it I don't know what do you say, you know, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the best shot I threw that day, but man, it could have struck, you know, it, it really could have. So now you're, you're almost three decades into your open championships career, uh, 2018, your best performance individually in the team event, uh, your best overall performance in the all events category with the 300. Um, are you at the best you've ever been? Is this the best Tom Hess? Uh, and, and are you pushing and striving? Of course, again, with the, the 50 senior stuff on the horizon, uh, is this, is this, uh, I don't want to say the highlight, but, uh, do you feel the strongest and the best that, that you've been? I think I'm the smartest, I guess I've ever been. Um, you know, I still, I'm me, I'm going to be me, um, as long as I can, you know, when, when I'm bowling good, you're going to know it. When I'm bowling good, you know, I, I'm an emotional person. Yeah, I, good, good or bad, it is what it is. Um, do I think, I think I'm bowling as good now as I ever have, you know, with an exception of maybe that uh, um, from 2010 to 2012, in there where I went, I didn't miss a cut in a regional. You know, I cashed every regional I bowled. I uh, was bowling some stops on tour, but not every stop. It, you know, I was bowling pretty good then. Um, but right right now, um, for the events I'm bowling, if you just took the – and this sounds kind of crappy to say, but if you took the PBA tour out of there, um, which I haven't been um, happy with my performance on the big tour, if you took that out, um, everything else, yeah, uh, you know, I'm every time I show up, I'm a threat to win, um, at all the other stuff, and yeah, I'm, I'm bowling as good as I ever have, even at 50 years old. Now, at the OC, you have a lifetime of experience, you have now you've entered. Uh, what could be the, the second half of a, of a great career with some, some big moments, close calls. Uh, even better, as you mentioned, your daughter Megan now, an adult bowler. Uh, so there's the possibility that she could be joining you on this stage uh, as you now help her understand the history and tradition of this event and share that with her, potentially bowl double together. Um, what's, uh, what do you have in mind or what's in the front of your mind as you head into this next portion of your Open Championships career, potentially uh, with her on the lanes with you? Um, that, that would be something that would be, would be really awesome. Um, 
To be honest with you, though, I, I don't know if that is something that would happen. Um, Megan doesn't have any aspirations as far as I know. Um, well, you know, the last time we haven't really talked about it, but here over the last year, um, she's been working really hard. Um, she's getting a lot better. She throws the ball so much better than she even did a year ago. But um, the last time we talked about it, she doesn't even have any aspirations to go on tour. Um, she's going to school to be a lawyer. Um, she's, she's killing it at school. And, um, you know, I know for sure for at least two more years, I can't bowl with her because of the rules uh, with her being a collegiate bowler and me being a PBA champion. I, I can't bowl with her. Um, if she does decide to, to try to keep up the competitive side and, uh, and bowl, then yeah. I mean, I'd love to take the opportunity to bowl with her, um, you know, at, on the national stage as my doubles partner. So we'll, we'll just have to wait a couple of years and, and see what happens there. All right. Now in the short term, uh, open championships down the road a little bit next up for us, uh, is the Team USA Trials, as you already alluded to a few times, uh, an event you have had success in, but not the type that you'd like to have, of course. Um, but that is around the corner in January. So something to look forward to, something to work toward, uh, and some humps that you need to get over to make it a complete event for you. Uh, just talk about that and uh, knowing that that's on the horizon. Uh, at the same time, what else uh, is around the corner for Tom Hess? Oh, what's around the corner for me? Well, I already signed up for, I had to, uh, I got, got paid for that. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen yet with the, with the tour and the senior tour. Um, my plans as of right now, you know, without seeing a schedule for next year, um, are to bowl the, the whole um, senior tour, um, you know, and then just, you know, just go back to being my weekend warrior, you know. I don't think I'm going to bowl anywhere this weekend. I think I'm going to take the weekend off, go uh, watch Megan bowl on Sunday. Then the next weekend, uh, I'm driving over to uh, Carpentersville, Illinois for a PBA 50 senior regional, um, Greater Iowa. Then I got the Iowa Open. Uh, got plans to fly down to Houston to bowl with my good buddy Sean Lavery at a PBA 50 uh, over under doubles tournament down in Houston. Uh, you know, just, just bowling. Just keep bowling, just keep riding the wave. You know, like I said, I've been bowling good. Um, constant, constantly near the top. Just, just keep bowling and keep trying to knock that door down and keep getting as, as many wins as I can get. Now, at the Open Championships, when we see you for number 27, uh, it's been a great run, a lot of success. We said close calls. Um, but in your eyes, how has the event changed or what does it mean to you now? after all these years and, and all these uh, these great moments in the spotlight. And, um, uh, of course, you're going to keep chasing chasing those eagles, but uh, just can you sum up what that event means to you as a, a permanent part of the annual calendar for you? Uh, oh, it's a huge part. Uh, you know, I look forward to going out there every year. You know, there's quite there's quite a few discussions of, is an Eagle a better, is a PBA championship better? Um, you know, to me, they're completely separate events. Um, you get one time, one time a year, you get to step out on those lanes of both those nine games. Um, and it's a big event. And, you know, I, I don't even know if I could put it to work. You know, what, what does it mean? Um, 
you know, it's the, I don't even know how, how to put it into words. It's, it's, it's important. Um, you know, I, I'd rank it right up there with, uh, with, with winning a major on, on the tour, um, winning one of those events. And, you know, I'm just going to try to keep being as competitive at it for as long as I can. All right. Now, Mr. Smith, you've spent uh, probably more time with Tom Hess over the years uh, than I have on the lanes uh, in a, in a PR competitor capacity, uh, seeing him as a, as a father, as a, a coach, uh, any final questions or thoughts uh, for our PBA major champ before we head out? Well, Tom, the one thing I have learned from this interview uh, today is that you are, uh, I like that you're a numbers guy. I really like that you're a numbers guy. Cause I, I, I enjoy the breakdowns like that and remembering the specific bowling balls and, and all that. So from now on, when, you know, you're attending these St. Ambrose events and I'm there on the live stream, if I need some information, I'm just going to come to you because I know you're going to have all the numbers. So I appreciate that. Now that I know that I'm going to keep that in the back pocket to, uh, to get all the stats from you down the stretch. So that's going to be uh, something I look forward to. Uh, you know, the, over the course of this past year, you know, like I said, I got to see you at quite a few events. I, I thought it was so cool to, uh, you know, you and Steve out there cheering on your kids. Um, and, you know, for for you as a as a collegiate bowling dad, you know, uh, you know, hopefully with the season getting started up in January. What are the things you are looking forward to, uh, you know, these final two seasons for Megan? Uh, out on the lanes. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, the school part's very important, and it's good to know Matt can call someone now when he gets in trouble uh, down the road. But, uh, you know, what are the things you're looking forward to these final few uh, years where, when she's at St. Ambrose competing? Uh, just seeing how she grows. She's becoming, uh, you know, she's becoming quite the young woman. Um, I think their team, had, you know, last year, they were, they were, third in the country they had a really good shot um you know a lot of a lot of teams had had their just devastating i mean i, I feel for all the seniors last year that didn't get the chance to end their careers on the right way um but no i look forward to watching her grow um we all know man that that cut to make the the singles portion is probably the hardest cut in bowling um you know with the all total of you know 800 kids bowling even more um they got a pretty good program over there they got some pretty good bowlers and i think they got a shot i'd i'd love to be there and and see it happen all right well tom we appreciate way, uh, all the great insight today I've, the stories I've told you several I was just, that was just saying that I've told Aaron several times, Hey, I'll help. I'll help. And he's like, ah, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. So he keeps saying he's going to let me talk. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. He will. I, I, they only give me the one headset, Tom. <laughs> I need two. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll have to make that happen though. Sometime uh, in this next season or two for sure. So, but I'm going, when I bring you on, I'm not going to say, you know, 2011, Masters champion. Uh, I, I'm just going to bring on Megan's dad. That's going to be the introduction. That's all. All I'm going to say. But they'll know Perfect. who Megan is because because you know she's going to be she's going to be the star out there at that point. So uh, Megan's dad. That's going to be your new name for me moving forward. And then at other events, I'll call you Tom. But uh, I, I, I like Megan's dad. 
<laughs> I love it. Thank you. All right. Well, Megan's dad, thank you for joining us today on Inside the OC. We had a great time catching up, talking about uh, the good times, the bad times, and, and uh, you know the, all the great insights and uh, in breaking down those moments. Uh, so we certainly do appreciate it. And folks at home, uh, thanks again for tuning in. As always, a lot of great things coming up on Bull TV. Uh, we've got uh, the PWB's greatest season coming up tomorrow and then some cool stuff on the horizon for next week. So keep an eye on your Bull TV schedule for all of that. Uh, but that is going to do it for today's episode of Inside the OC. My name is Matt Canizaro for Aaron Smith and Megan's dad, Tom Hess, our 2011 USBC Masters champ. That's the news for now. We'll see you on the links. <laughs>